Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Amen. Awesome. So we are busy and uh, we are back on our series Inward and Outward. Last week, for those of you who missed out, we had our Vision Sunday. It was amazing. I had a great time ministering to you guys. I know um, I got some good feedback as well from you guys in the ministry that you received. I really want to encourage you, if you want to be part of this family, if you're not already part of this family and you're praying about and asking a few important questions, please get that teaching. It is on our Facebook page. Um, It shares the heart and the vision of this ministry um, really, really well, and it will really bless you and impact you um, to be part of that or to take part in that teaching. But this morning, we're getting back into our series, Inward and Outward, and our foundation verse for this series is Romans 8, verse 19. It says, The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. So the universe, the world is waiting. We're not waiting. The Christian should not be waiting. I'm going to say that again. The Christian should not be waiting for something. Too many Christians are waiting for something. Too many Christians are waiting on God to do something. Man, have you guys read the story? Jesus did something. Jesus died, he was raised from the dead, and he poured out his spirit so that you can do something. So that you can be a witness in the world, Acts 1 verse 8. Man, so what are we waiting for? Jesus didn't die for us to wait. God is waiting on us, the Christian church. The world is waiting, standing on tiptoe, yearning for God's unveiling through His glorious sons and daughters. That is you and me. We are God's glorious sons and daughters. But are you being unveiled in your world? That is the question. And this is what the series is about. Understanding firstly what is our empowering, what is our identity so that we can live this out. I had an awesome privilege to share a, a wedding yesterday. And uh, the couple asked me to, to, one of their favorite verses is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12. Um, or uh, one of the verses that they would like me to incorporate into, into the message. And Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12, it's, a, it's, it's powerful. It's talking about um, sacrificial love. It's talking about uh, being selfless and being patient towards one another. And however, that, however good that might be for your marriage, being patient towards one another, being selfless, if you do not understand what your empowering is to do that, you will short, fall short of doing that. And Ephesians, and I shared this with them yesterday, Ephesians compiles our six chapters, chapters 1, 2, 3, talking about your identity, what Jesus did for you, and then only comes chapter 4, 5, and 6, talking about the fruit of your identity. So if we go to the fruit without understanding the root, we're going to fall short time after time after time. We're going to live um, uh, dissatisfied and frustrated Christian lives, not understanding where is the empowering coming from. What is the source driving all of this? And I'm not talking about tomato sauce, chutney, or mustard. I'm talking about Jesus. He is your source. Amen? We've been created to live supernatural lives, not superficial lives. If your life is not supernatural by default, it is superficial. You can have the inward power that we're talking about without the outward manifestation. A question to ask and think about this. Do you want the inward power to manifest itself in your world? 
You have to choose this. I can't choose this for you. I can facilitate growing opportunities, teaching opportunities, equipping opportunities. Every Sunday, it's a training opportunity. There's equipping that's happening here. I'm encouraging you and I'm challenging in the Word. I'm encouraging and challenging myself in the Word. But we get to choose whether our inward is going to have an impact and manifest on the outside. Let's glean some wisdom from Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we'll start off in verse 1. Starting with the message. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Say God helping you. So everything we're going to read now is about God helping you. When Jesus told the disciples in Matthew chapter 28, He said, go into all the world. He starts off by saying, and remember. Or He finished off by remembering and saying, remember I'm always with you. The Spirit of God is with you. He is your helper. He's called our helper. He's called the helper. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you. Develops well-formed maturity in you. Question. What is the best thing you can do for God? The answer, we just looked at it. What's the best thing you can do for God? embracing what God does for you, embracing what God did for you. Remember that. Because oftentimes we think the best thing I can do for God is, you fill in the blank, go to Solari's Pass Outreach. No, the best thing you can do for God is embrace what He's done for you and then, yes, if the overflow is going to Solari's Pass Outreach as a response to what He's done for you, you're on the right track. But if you're going to try and do things for God, thinking that this is the best thing you can do for God, no, the Word tells us what's the best thing we can do for God. Respond to what He's done for you. This is counter-religion. This is counter every other religion in this world, whether it's religious Christianity, whether it's any other form of religion, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, it does not matter. All of those religions is about self-improving, being a better person, trying to kind of appease some God. God is not wanting us to appease Him or please Him. He wants you to respond to His love for you. Responding and embracing what He has done for you is the best thing you can do for Him. How do we refrain from becoming as the scripture says, so well adjusted to our culture that we fit into it without even thinking. How do we do that? Do we do that by, by going to church? Do we do this by not focusing on your sin? How do we do this? How do we refrain from becoming so well adjusted to our culture that we fit right into it? The answer is in the word. Fix our attention on God. And then quickly respond as he leads. Fixing our attention on God is not about 
walking with your Bible underneath your arm. It's not talking about being at every church meeting there is. It's not talking about praying a certain amount of hours a day. Because you can pray more than anyone in this room, read your Bible more than anyone in this room. You can do all of those things without your attention being on Jesus. Describes the Pharisees in John chapter 5 verse 39. Jesus uh, uh, tells the scribes and the Pharisees, you go through the scriptures finding out and trying to find out, looking for eternal life, but these scriptures point to me. If you're in your Bible and you're not looking for Jesus and the fulfillment of Jesus, the reality of what He accomplished for us, you're wasting your time. You're going to end up a religious Christian looking like you've been baptized in lemon juice, sour, depressed, frustrated, condemning people, judging people. But if you come to find Jesus in the life that He brought for you and you receive that and you are fixing your attention on what He's done for you, and embracing what He's done for you daily, there'll be an overflow of love in your life that people will be drawn to. The sinners of Jesus' day, we see this in Luke chapter 15, where the parable of the, 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 the sheep, the coin, and the lost son is being shared. It opens up firstly by saying, and all of the sinners, the publicans, the tax collectors, drew near unto Jesus to hear what He had to say. Are people drawing near unto you to hear what you have to say? It's not a rhetorical question. Are people drawing near unto you? Are you a person that people want to be around because of how you're treating them? Because of the life that is coming out of your words? Coming out of your mouth? It's a good question to think about because if it's not the case, you've got the answer. Fix your attention on Jesus. Learn from Him. Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2. Learn from Him. Learn this life of love. As children learn proper behavior from their parents, so you too. Look at what God does. He loves you. He shows radical love and forgiveness towards you. The more we receive that, the more it's going to overflow into how we treat people. How we deal with people. Verse 1 and 2 from the Passion says this. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? So what should be our proper response? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be sacred, living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Say genuine expression of worship. Wow, that was, that was good. Like you guys were so excited about that. <laughs> Having a genuine expression of worship, man. Uh, Revival is coming to this, uh, to, this, to this town, to your life, because you're so uh, genuine in your expression of worship and desiring to worship God genuinely. That was all sarcasm if you don't know me. Like that was just sarcasm all the way. Um, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. What is this about? Let's continue reading. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit, through a total reformation of how you think, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Surrender is not a cuss word. Obedience is not a cuss word. Surrender and obedience 
is not something that falls outside of the message of grace. It is 100% part of this message. Think about this. Jesus himself, Jesus, the Son of God, surrendered. He obeyed. So ask yourself this. If Jesus, the Son of God, and all of His glory and all of His splendor could choose to surrender and obey, do you guys connect the dot? I don't even have to finish the sentence. Why do we struggle to surrender and obey to the things that God invites us to? Because of lack of trust. Not trusting that He is good and the things that He has for us is for our good and the people around us. Surrender is a choice. Surrender is a fruit of responding to something. In war, one party surrenders or one, one nation, if we th think about war and nations, one nation surrenders to another nation that is more powerful who's, who's kind of pushed them into a corner where they realize they're out. Like they've been out, out overpowered, right? A more powerful nation. That is where surrender comes in, in war, in natural terms. In this context, we also get to surrender as a response to something, something more powerful. And this something more powerful is not God oppressing us. This something more powerful is God's love. God's love is the most powerful force on this earth. And we get to surrender to this force of love. We get to obey, yield under this force of love. God's amazing, radical, unconditional love. God's love isn't something general, but it's specific. We need to understand this because often we just talk about God's love and we talk about love and love has become a very diluted kind of word as well because we love our tea, we love our coffee, we love our, our pets, we love the weather, we love everything. Love is just a very general word, like it's applied to everything. I love that series, I love that dress, I love that pants. And so because we use this word so often in so many various ways, when we get into the word and we read love, it's just like it doesn't mean the same thing. It's, it doesn't have that impact. And when we read about love and God's kind of love specifically, and in the Greek there's different uses for the word love. You get agape, phileo, uh, eros, you, you get different forms of love. But we're not going to get into that. We just need to understand one thing, that God's love is specific. It was showcased through a gift. And that gift's name is Jesus. That gift accomplished something. Jesus accomplished something for us. That is God's love. What He accomplished through Jesus. Forgiveness of sins and a way to become justified and righteous in God's sight and have His Spirit live in us and live through us. That is the gift of God. If our surrender comes about in any other way, if our surrender does not come from responding to His love, if your surrender currently, your obedience currently, is coming because of guilt and shame, if your surrender or obedience currently is because someone has manipulated you, if your surrender and obedience to God is because you think He's going to punish you, He's going to withhold good from you, if your surrender comes about 
any other way than God's love, it will be short-lived. Guaranteed. God did not intend for us to surrender any other way than by responding to His marvelous mercies. Verse 3 from the Passion says, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. Interesting how pride comes out now from these two verses. Pride is the next topic that Paul is addressing here. Because we cannot surrender, we cannot obey when we are in pride. When we have become our own gods. That is what the world is living in. The world is living in a, in a state where they've become their own god. Man has become its own god. God has given me a grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion. So who is he asking to empty themselves of self-promotion? Every person in that audience. Each of us. Self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement. And then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. The message says it like this. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not but by what we are and what we do for Him. The only accurate way to understand ourselves, to understand our worth, is by what God is, is not by, uh, or it's by what God is and by what, by what He does for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. That is when you truly come to see your worth and your value. When you come to see what Jesus did for you, what Jesus accomplished for us. Any person who ever accomplished anything noteworthy in the history of time responded to this thing, God's amazing love. Any person, go and look at the history of mankind, who accomplished something. And now there's a, there's a lot of accomplishments accomplishments in history that's recorded that only has a temporal impact meaning after this earth has passed away none of that will be remembered any great invention it does not matter what it is if it did not have an eternal impact it cannot have an eternal value so i'm talking about any person who's ever accomplished anything noteworthy in light of eternity, responded to God's amazing and radical love and surrendered as a, as a fruit to that love, responding to His love. It's about surrendering what we think about ourselves, however high or low, because surrender and, and or the opposite, pride, is not just a thing of th thinking too highly about yourself, but it's also pride to think too lowly about yourself. Both are equally prideful. Thinking about yourself too much and thinking about yourself too less. What does the word say? In proportion, the accurate way of measuring ourselves is by what, is by what God is and what He does for us. Assess yourself, the passion says, assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement. 
What does that mean? It means about, it's talking about your response in faith to receiving Christ and becoming fully conscious, fully surrendered to what that means for you as a believer. You are the righteousness of God. So thinking that you are not righteous, you are in pride. Because the word says, in faith, you are now the righteousness of God. So when the word says something and you believe something else, you are in pride. That is what it's talking about. Using our God-given faith as the standard of measurement. Surrendering what we think about ourselves, however, however high or low, if it's not in light of what Jesus did for us and what He desires for us, it's pride. I'm going to say that again. Surrendering what we think about ourselves, however high or low, if it's not in light of what Jesus did for us and what He desires to do through us, it is pride. What does James 4 say, say about pride? Verse 4 to 6, it says, You're cheating on God if all you want is your own way. Flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and His way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he, he is a fiercely jealous lover. And what He gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God... Um, God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. The willingly humble. Man, this is awesome. God gives in love, or what God gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. How many of us truly believe that? What God gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. Think about this. If I truly believe this, it's going to show. Right? That's the only way what you believe is properly measured. James also writes about this, that faith without works is dead. Meaning, whatever you have faith in, whatever you believe, is going to show. Right? So when this says that what God gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find... Our life and our measure of satisfaction, our measure of, of peace and contentment is 100% linked to whether you believe this or not. If you're not currently content, if you're dissatisfied in any way, shape or form, it's because you do not believe this. I'm not condemning you. I'm sharing truth with you. And John 8 verse 32 says that you'll come to know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you don't know the truth, you cannot experience the freedom that is accompanied by knowing the truth. It's very simple. And coming to know the truth is not just hearing about the truth. Because all of us are hearing the truth on a regular basis. But knowing the truth is about intimately becoming acquainted with and surrendering and yielding to that truth and giving over. To that which is true. And the problem is Satan's schemes are the same. Well, it's not actually a problem. It's actually a good thing that Satan's schemes is, has, has been the same since the beginning of time. Trying to get us to doubt in this thing. God's amazing, radical, unconditional love. 
If we doubt in this, we won't be able to respond with surrendered lives. This is powerful. This is amazing. The outcome for all of us, I believe, is we want to live surrendered lives, right? Let's see by show of hand. Who wants to live more surrendered lives? Amen. So I'm just taking note of who didn't raise their hands. I'm going I'm to pray for you afterwards. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to wait there at the back and, and sort you out. <laughs> no, I won't. So all of us, and this is amazing, I shared this at the wedding yesterday as well. So many people have a desire to have fruitful marriages, but desire is not enough. Desire to do something is not enough. It's purposing to do something. It's being intentional about that. Being intentional about a pursuit of living surrendered lives. How are we going to be intentional about this pursuit? It's coming to know and realize that it's about responding to God's amazing grace. Believing truly that what God made available to us through Jesus, His Spirit in us, and His desire to have His Spirit live through us to our worlds, believing that without a shadow of a doubt and looking for every opportunity, listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit as you go to the mall, as you go to the shopping center, buying groceries. Father... your, Your life is in me. You are the answer to this world's problems. And this person that I'm going to meet now, surely your love for them is is greater than I understand. Is there a word that you've got for me? Is there is there anything that you want me to encourage them with? There might be nothing. It might just be a hello, how are you today? And they might open up and say, like, my mom just passed away. Like I'm actually really sad. Guess what you get to do in that moment? You get to pray for them and encourage them. By just asking a simple question, hey, how are you doing today? And that is God's desire for us. It doesn't always need to be this profound word of knowledge about their past, a healing or a miracle. It doesn't always have to be that. But it's about showing compassion and asking the question to the Holy Spirit. Being conscious of asking the Holy Spirit because He's there. But we're not always aware. We're not always switched on. We're not always sensitive. And even at times when we are sensitive and when we are aware, we don't want to obey because it's tough sometimes. It's uncomfortable. Last week when we went out to Tiger Valley, man, every one of the people that went out were uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. You're thinking to yourself, man, Etienne's evangelist, so easy for him. It's uncomfortable for me as well. Maybe less than for someone else, but the point is it's still uncomfortable and I still need to overcome that discomfort and choose to do something that I know it's going to bless them immensely. So I'm not doing it for myself, I'm doing it for someone else. And that fruit of selflessness is not because I'm an amazing person. That fruit of selflessness is by a response to God's love for me. And that is the message of the gospel, us responding to God's love. And the more we respond and the more we become aware of this, and more we connect the dots of the challenge of stepping out, the challenge of ministering to someone, the challenge of praying for someone, the more we come to realize that's an outward and a fruit of something, the easier it's going to become. When we connect the dots to it, starts with responding to daily to the amazing radical grace and the love of God for me as His Son as his daughter. 
1 Timothy 1.5 says, The whole point of what we're urging is simply love. The whole point is simply love. Love uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith. A life open to God. That's powerful. Love uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith. A life open to God. Man, there's a lot of counterfeit faith out there. How do you, how do you discern whether something is counterfeit faith? When there's self-interest. How much have we sat under maybe teaching or within a body where the, the, the gospel that is being preached has got a self-interest attached to it? Meaning that whatever your response is going to be, it's going to benefit someone else. And I'm not talking about the, 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 their lives being impacted for eternity. I'm talking about someone getting a nicer car or a nicer house because of your response. I'm speaking very like vaguely here this morning. There's so much self-interest within the body of Christ and it's counterfeit, counterfeit faith. But we need to live lives, as it says, you're open to God. That is talking about humility. Humbly pouring out our lives and coming to agree with what God says about us and what Jesus accomplished for us. John 15, 13 from the Passion says, and we're coming to a close. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. And then there's, a, there's another instance where it actually talks about, it's, one can maybe understand when, when someone dies for a noble person, if I, I'll, I'll easily, it will be very easy for me to lay down my life for Catherine or Chris or Michael. Very easy. I won't even think about it. By dying for someone who's hurt me, who's offended me, who's abused me, becomes a little bit more difficult, right? I think all of us can agree to that. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus died for people who were his enemies. Romans 5 verse 8 says, those who were his enemies, Christ died for us while we're still sinners, his enemies. And he chose to die for us. And we need to understand that this standard of love, this standard of self-sacrificial love, can only become our norm when we become convinced of God's amazing and radical love for us. And you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh man, this is impossible. Like, why are we even talking about things that are impossible? Why are we talking about this, this, this life of, of, of sacrifice and surrender? I'm going to give you a little bit of an inside scoop. The joy, the peace, the, the satisfaction, the fulfillment that the whole world, everyone in this room, is looking for living a life of joy, satisfaction, fulfillment, purpose. All of those things is that is things that every person, every man and woman on the face of the earth is looking for. Purpose, belonging, satisfaction. 
joy, peace. And you've got that. The Spirit of God in you, but you might be lacking the Spirit of God living through you. And that's as equally important to enjoy the peace, the satisfaction, the fulfillment that you have on the inside of you and that you're going to enjoy for eternity with God. But He wants you to enjoy that right now. The fact that He's living on the inside of you, there's a heavenly purpose and satisfaction and joy that you're going to enjoy in heaven one day. But you get to enjoy that right now by living that out. Surrendering to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. And looking for opportunities to show love, sacrificial love to those around us. Not thinking about ourselves when we go to the mall and thinking about everything that I need to do. We're living in a fast-paced world where, man, we're moving from one meeting to the next meeting, one phone call to the next phone call. If I'm not between meetings, I'm on my phone texting. I'm, we're just trying to multitask and they're just tasks, tasks, tasks. It's non-stop. We don't create room to be spontaneous. And I'm not now talking about room to be spontaneous, to go on a nice holiday. And I'm not saying those things are bad or wrong. But I'm talking about our daily rhythms. Creating room for spontaneous Holy Spirit. What do you want to accomplish through me today? Because we've got our grocery list, so we want to get in, we want to get out. I know. I'm like that as well. I've got things to do. But man, every person that you'll see, every face that you'll ever see, the faces that you're seeing today, the faces that you're going to see out there, moving from here to your next location, every face has a name. Every face has been bought with the life of Christ. And you get to bring them the answer to the void that they're experiencing by sharing Jesus with them. And they're not just leaving them there, asking how you can help them walk on this journey of growing in the knowledge of the truth. Every one of us, with the Spirit of God inside of us, gets to share the truth with people and help them grow. Every one of us is called to discipleship. So last passage, last few verses, Romans 12, verse 46. And I want to encourage you guys, go back to Romans chapter 12, go and read these verses again. Plant them deep into your heart. Meditate on them and allow the Holy Spirit to even show you more truth from this. And let it become personal to you. Because as I'm ministering to you, there's obviously maybe things that stick out for you. Or things that really bless you or impact you. But in order for the Word to really take root in our hearts, it's, it's going to require some personal time for us. Some personal study. Some personal getting into the Word. So verse 46 says, in this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of this body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? Since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Man, that's a good summary. Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. 
without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. It's not about your actual part, whether you're a hand, whether you're an eye, whether you're an ear. It's the fact that what you are part of. You are part of Christ's body. And however that part looks, it's not important. I'm going to say that again. Your part and your function is not as important as what you are part of. Stop majoring on the minor and start majoring on the major, which is what you are part of. God's plan to seek and save the lost. And you get to be part of that plan, that dream of God for the world to be saved and the world to come to a knowledge of the truth. I'm going to rephrase that. God's will is for your will, Robert, for your will, Sean, for your will, Jandre, for your will to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. Each one of you sitting here this morning, God's will is for your will to be saved and your will to come to knowledge of the truth. And you've got the answer, the Spirit of God inside of you, to lead you and to show you how that can come to be. You're not on your own. You've got His Spirit, but you've also got your brothers and sisters in Christ. The other body parts that, are ha- that have the same function and purpose. To have God's kingdom be manifest here on earth. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.